Alright, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn Based, the RPG podcast here on thecoalition.com. I'm David Jagno, Senior Editor, your usual host. I'm joined by two people this time. First is my usual co-host. Introduce yourself. Hey, this is Gary Swaby from thecoalition.com. Good to be back. Yep, it's good, it's good. We've, we're finally getting in a groove. We have a lot of episodes under our belt now. I don't even know, is this episode 21, 22? I think it's 21. This is 21, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, all right. And uh, we actually have a new guest this time. So you get to hear a new voice. Exciting, exciting. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, um, Kenneth Seward Jr., um, editor-in-chief at UnitedFrontGaming.com. Um, yeah, I, is this part, I guess, where I tell a little bit about myself? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. about uh, yourself, about the site, everything. Awesome, okay. Well, I've, personally, I've been writing uh, reviews and, and doing previews and news and stuff like that since 2006. Um, I was writing for a couple of different sites, and uh, I was writing for one site, and me and the owner didn't really see eye to eye. Um, That's happened to me before. Yeah, we had a kind of a bad falling out, (laughs) unfortunately, but it did spark me to kind of create my own, uh, you know, brand, and so we joined up with a cool bunch of gamers. Um, They had a site called nxgamers.com. And they did professional gaming. Um, they were sponsored by uh, Infinity Ward and Magic oh, hey. and a bunch of other people. So it was great because we didn't really... I met them because I was playing a, the beta of uh, Modern Warfare. And uh, I told him what I did and that we, you know, we no longer had a site because, unfortunately, me and the other guy fell out. And he was like, hey, you can come write for us. We don't really have a, you know, people that do news. We do just, you know... Uh, you know, the whole sports thing, the esports thing. And I was like, yeah, that that will be a cool fit. And so, you know, a couple of E3s and, and whatnot later, um, we were like, you know, we should just do our own site. That way, you know, we can uh, kind of make our, our brand, you know, full, you know, we're not underneath the NX Gamers logo type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we came up with uh, United Front Gaming, the, you know, the website. And since then, we've been doing reviews and interviews and all that. Um, I want to say... Yeah, I think it was like 07. I think the the that well, it was 07 that I got the license, and I think the site launched uh, 09, I believe. So it's been up for a little while, and uh, it's it's actually grown, which is cool. One funny thing though, if you know any gamers out there, you know that our name is very similar to United Front Games, guys who made Sleeping Dogs. Right, um, right. When we got our name. Uh, I didn't realize that they, they had named their company, you know, similar to ours. And so I contacted them. And it was funny because we actually got our names around the same time. And just with talking with them, they were like, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, there's so many UFGs out there that there, there's no really no point in fighting, <laughs> you know, fighting over it. <laughs> um, so they, they actually follow me on Twitter now. And it was, it was pretty cool to kind of, you know, talk to them and and because i really thought that you know them being a big company that they were going to come after us like hey you know people are confusing ufg and i'm like in my head i'm like we're not that big at all (laughs) you know to to get you know to be confused or whatever but um the the whole idea i guess behind the name was just to be united i'm not you know i think competition is good in terms of journalists you know getting people to come to their sites but at the same time i like collaborating i like being united 
in terms of all gamers, because we all love playing video games, you know, um, which is, you know, another reason why I'm here, you know, not just to, to, you know, branch out my brand, but also to help other people. So um, just united in doing the things that we love and bringing everyone, you know, news, reviews. We also have podcast shows and stuff like that. So that's pretty much us and the gist. That's a great message right there. I agree. Gamers should be united. Thank you. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways the coalition's pretty similar. I mean, we're a coalition of gamers from all around the world. I mean, you know, Gary's over in the UK. I'm in the US. We have our guy that runs the back end of the stuff is... You know, is he lives in Scotland right now, or yeah, Scotland, yeah, yeah, Scotland. Oh. The guy that writes the hip hop articles is he's in Scotland. Um, we have people all over the U.S. in different areas. So, yeah, I mean, I think we a lot of people can definitely appreciate that message of uniting together and just kind of you know supporting the thing that you love. Definitely, I mean, because when there's, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is is having a troll, uh, you know, in the conversation. And so that's, that's, that's what we think about it. Like, we want to be united, and we just want to talk about games and grow, you know, as a brand, um, but not necessarily grow in, in terms of fighting or, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting being someone who's, I guess you would kind of consider us like an indie, you know, uh, website. Yeah, you know, not, yeah. Not big, uh, you know, at all. But even between the, the, the smaller sites, you know, there's a lot of, like, you know, I got a contact from, from Rockstar. We're not going to give you the contact because we don't want you to get a game that we might be reviewing. It's whatever. Like, I, I don't mind helping anyone. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. it's, you know, because if anything, me helping, you know, like, for instance, the coalition, me helping you guys. And now all of a sudden I get a shout out on Twitter and now I have more followers. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be a, you know, a fight in the streets type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think the biggest thing for websites especially is just because someone visits one website does not mean that they won't visit another. It's not like a magazine subscription where people are like, okay, I'm going to subscribe to one and that's it. Like exactly. you, can, you can go to as many websites as you want. There's, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Exactly. And who does that anyways? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know your game, a, a fun game is coming out and you want to you know, kind of see what everyone thinks about it. You're not going to go to one site and read the review and be like all right that's it you're going to go to multiple sites and you know so we we just want to be one of those sites that you actually go to along with the others there you go boys and girls listen up <laughs> but yeah thanks for um you know thanks for having me uh, um it's pretty awesome to to you know venture out and be on someone else's podcast for a change yeah definitely we'll have to get you on some of our other ones um like our general gaming one the co-op or if we ever do another versus, it might be cool to do one against another site. That'd be kind of fun. Awesome. Yeah, definitely let me know. All right, so I guess we'll go ahead and jump into it. First, we'll talk about what we've been playing. Uh, for me, I've been extremely busy as far as playing games. Um, I just reviewed Madden, which, I mean, not really an RPG, but they're, they're trying to almost make it one, it seems like. Uh, right, all the characters you can level up and everything, and they actually called it XP and different abilities and stuff. It's good though. I mean, they improved it over last year, but it's you know nothing amazing, like usual. Uh, Sanctuary Four, I posted that review. That game's ridiculous and awesome. That game's basically an RPG too. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it might as well be. And. All games are, are becoming, or, or 
you know, getting RPG elements here and there. Yeah, we had a yeah. pretty good discussion about that on a previous episode, kind of what defines an RPG now. And, yeah, I mean, I think virtually every genre, for the most part, I mean, Call of Duty has upgrade elements. Like I said, Madden, then, I mean, it seems like some games that are traditionally classified as RPGs almost have less customization than a lot of other genres now. That's kind of interesting. Um, I guess the the big RPG that I'm reviewing right now is Tales of Zillia. I guess that's how you pronounce it. I'm not even sure. Um, it's it's really good. I, I ended up getting a little bit late, so the review isn't really out as soon as some of the other sites, but the review is coming. It's really, really good game. Uh, I mean, it's a lot like other Tales games. They, they haven't really changed their formula up too much, but it still works and it's still really fun. So I can already recommend it. I've never actually played a Tales game before. Uh, like, what's the battle system like? Uh, you played Star Ocean, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that, where you see an enemy on the field, you run into them, then it goes into an instance action battle where it's real time. It's pretty okay. similar to that, except it's more combo-based in this game. So you can kind of, like, string together attacks, and you can link up with other characters in your party to do combo attacks and stuff. Yeah. Okay, I look forward to the review. Yeah, same here. I, um, I'm i a big fan of the Tale series, and... Um, the, my favorite so far has been Tales of Symphonia. Yeah, um, that's what most people say. It's just it, they did such a good job with it, and uh, the the fighting system. It, it was one of the ones where, you know, using your uh, your skills. The more you use it, the more they level up, which I thought uh-huh. was kind of cool because if you like to do a certain thing, it makes sense that you would level it up that way. Um, and then you know, like you were saying, with combining moves, and it it was really cool. And there was also a cool thing also where I liked was. Uh, the fact that you can have other people play, you know, like as the characters when you're in those Yeah, instances. yeah. Um, and that's that, that, that cool. Not something you want to do for the whole game because there's a lot of, you know, it's RPGs, so there's a lot of talking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But doing maybe like a boss fight, you know, you're having a tough time juggling some of the characters. Having someone pick up the controller and play is maybe like your healer or something like that is a nifty thing, I think. Uh, are all the Tales games like this generation, or like would I have to go back to last generation to catch up on them? Well, the, as well. Well, I know Tales of Destiny was on the PlayStation One. Uh, oh right, right. Um, yeah, Symphonia I, was GameCube, but they're doing an HD update of it. Yeah, so it's a lot okay. of, but it's it's kind of like Final Fantasy in the sense that they don't tie into each other at all. There's always a new story each time. Yeah. And uh, okay. you know, a different type of tale, I guess you could say. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they, they, you know, they usually tweak a little, you know, a little something here or there. Uh, Tell Symphony was big because it was a really good story, and the uh, the graphics, the the, the I think it's cell shading, I think it was called. Yeah. Uh, it looked really nice, and it was like a cool like anime style game, and it was fun. Yeah, I I think the Tales franchise is is pretty big. It's not it's not as big in uh, the Western side as it is over in Japan. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely not on the scale of Final Fantasy as far as popularity goes. But I think you know it it's very very good as well. I I'm a big fan, and this one is this one's really good. It's it came out in Japan a little over two years ago. So it's a little dated is whenever you compare it to a game like Nino Kuni, for example, and the graphics and the way the presentation and all that. So it's it's a little dated, but it's still really good. And Troy Baker is one of the voice actors, so that's always a plus. 
Nice. All right, so what have you been playing, Gary? Uh, I've been playing Saints Row 4 as well, and uh, as well as Killzone Mercenary, and um, of course Final Fantasy XIV just released. Um, I've been trying to play that for, you know, an extended amount of time, but um, the servers have been having a lot of issues this week, and um, they've actually halted sales of the game as well. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's been kind of difficult to actually, like, get into that game right. and enjoy it. Um, I've, I've actually made a couple different characters because what happens is you create a character and that character is tied to one server. So oh, um, if, okay. that, if that server is down, you can't play that character. So you have to make, you know, a couple different ones, I guess. And yeah. then that's annoying because then you have to go through the whole story with them again. You know, it's like going back and forth. Yeah, I played the beta and that opening cutscene is pretty long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So hopefully the servers improve and, you know, I get to really get into that game a bit. Because even when I played it in the beta, uh, I think I got to like level 12 or something. So I never really like got um, a lengthy amount of time with the game you know fighting all the huge bosses and stuff that's where i really want to get to um but yeah um i'll be reviewing that game as well so look out for the review coming within the next two weeks or so all right cool cool so what about you kenny um i've been busy uh myself um it's interesting because we get lately we've been getting a lot of pc titles and um we don't have as many PC uh, gamers, um, and so I'm kind of like the default guy. Yeah, uh, that's kind of how it is for Coalition. It's like me and Gary, and that's that's about it. Yeah, and it's you know, so I I, I started with Saints Row, I, I I reviewed that, and then all of a sudden I got Race the Sun, uh, Guncraft. What else did I get? Uh, the, the the Dishonored, the uh, DLC, the Brigmore Witches. Yeah, yeah. And it, it unfortunately, and you know, I haven't. Uh, posted that review, so they, my readers, are wondering what was going on with that. I had a problem with the game where my save would, I don't know if it was corrupted, but there was like a glitch, and I actually looked it up online, that there was a glitch with Steam where you would save, and then every, like, you know how it does the autosave thing? Uh-huh. Every autosave after that would be corrupted, so you wouldn't be able to load the, that game. It would just crash. Well, and so weird. it took me a while to actually finish, you know, because of that. And then, you know, on top of the fact that I was reviewing multiple games, you know, it kind of, you know, it kind of pushed me back in terms of my deadline. Um, But uh, Race the Sun is an awesome game. Yeah, it is very good. Um, You know, I've been following it since the Kickstarter, so I was happy to actually get a a chance to play it. Um, Guncraft is actually really good, and I know that there's a, you know, people want to label it as like a Minecraft with guns. And that's cool because it essentially is, but at the same time, they have a lot of, a lot of fun uh, elements that they kind of bring to the table that you don't really see in Minecraft. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of Call of Duty elements in there in terms of, like, you know, perks and stuff like that. But because it's all based around those blocks, you know, of building stuff and, the, and destruction, it's, it's really interesting. Like, for instance, there's a mode where two teams have to build, like, this structure, and it's, it's based on levels. So, like, if you build level one, once it's built, you go to level two, and no one can destroy the bottom level. But as you're building, you know, let's say you, you start on level one, but you haven't completed it yet, the other team can destroy it. And so there's like this fighting going back and forth. But because it's like Minecraft, the entire world is destructible. So there's people like like tunneling underground 
and like coming up like underneath your floor and like attacking. People. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, it's it's just really crazy. The the normal, I guess, team deathmatch and capture the flag. Those aren't as cool as like the the other you know more unique modes. Um, so I, I did post those reviews. And um, another game that I got recently was Amnesia, a machine for pigs. Yeah, I got that review code. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm excited. I, I can't say too much about it, you know, because right. you know embargo. But I can say that within the first ten minutes, there was a scare that totally made me turn the game off. <laughs> oh man! Like I was, I was playing, and it was because I'm normally in terms of like survival horror games, I'm a big fan. And normally I can kind of see like, okay, there's going to be a jump scare around here somewhere. You know, you can kind of tell. Um, it's kind of like with, I guess, horror movies. You kind of, you, you see the setup after a while. Um, yeah. And so with Machine for Pigs, I was like, okay, I, there's, there's going to be, a, you know, something here. And it was. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And so I went through and I was like, this isn't too bad. It was kind of creepy. And then there's a, <laughs> there's a huge scare. I was like, oh my, oh my God. Like, I didn't see that <laughs> at all. And I was like... No, I'm not ready for this. I'm just gonna have to, <laughs> I'm gonna have to back out. I, I just I don't know. I guess it was too late at night, but I was like, I don't need to like freak out and wake up my daughter. I'm just gonna just gonna back out, <laughs> you know. So if that's any indication of of what I've been experiencing, there you go. <laughs> and I'm not even that far in the game. So all right, I think wow. I might I might start it up tonight then. Got my headset on, get the lights down low. Uh, it was very yeah. shocking. I didn't. I was like, wow, I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> okay, so next, I guess, I uh, already kind of talked about this a little bit. You did, Gary. But uh, Final Fantasy fourteen for our first news topic. It is out now, yeah. so you can go buy it. And like you said, they stopped all digital sales of the game due to the high traffic. And if you remember, Guild Wars 2 actually did the same thing. And a lot of MMOs end up doing this because they, I don't know what it is about the logic of MMO developers, but they always underestimate the amount of traffic they're going to get. And there's server problems every time an MMO comes out. I don't care how big it is, how big people expect it to be, there are always server issues because they can't predict everything. Yeah, I think what it is is uh, some of it's intentional because uh, what they do is like, they only buy as much server space as they need. Now right. the thing is, on on launch week, there's always going to be an overload, you know. Because yeah. um, but but after that launch week, it it dips so significantly that you know there's no reason to to have extra servers like like pay for extra servers that you don't need. That so, makes you know, sense. They they buy just the right amount. And, you know, of course, it's going to get overloaded. They know that already. But, um, you know, once everything dies down and people, you know, stop, I guess, logging in just because it's the, the latest thing out, you know, they then they can actually manage the game, manage to run the game effectively. Yeah, and see, one so. thing I've noticed about a lot of people, if, if they're new to MMOs, like especially a Final Fantasy MMO, a lot of people are going to play it because it's Final Fantasy, not because it's an MMO. So yeah. a lot of people aren't going to be too familiar with the way MMOs work and how launches go. And so they're going to get furious that they can't log in as often as they want and play. And I think a lot of those people end up going away for a couple months, then they'll come back later once the game stabilizes. Yeah. You know what I think Square Enix should really do, though? Like, they should um, change the name. Like, they should differentiate this the the MMO from the actual Final Fantasy series like they should call it Final Fantasy Online or something cuz um you know having it tie into the numbers is is kind of like 
it's off-putting for some, I guess. Because, you know, a lot of people are expecting a full-blown story-driven game when, you know, really this is an entirely different beast. Right. Yeah, and it's, I mean, well, their names have been confusing, you know, and especially with titles that, you know, were once a certain number, then it recently switched to another number, you know, the one that's coming out for the next-gen consoles. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I agree. I think they really should say Final Fantasy, you know, Online 2 or something like that. I mean, I think, you know, I understand they want to keep, like, they want to keep it, and, and they're doing it on purpose. They're doing it on purpose. They want to put the number in to draw those people in who wouldn't normally play MMOs. But it is rather confusing if you don't do your, you know, do your homework. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know, especially now because they're, it seems that they're, they have sequels now. I, I haven't played the latest Final Fantasies. Um, but, you know, there's like X2, not X2, I'm sorry, uh, like 13-2 or something like that. And like Lightning Returns and, you know, like they keep going, rebranding the same, you know, series of games and uh, it's just confusing to everyone. Just a new Final Fantasy Online would be perfect. A Rim Reborn. There you go. <laughs> you know, you don't need to confuse everyone with... I mean, how many numbers are we going to go? Are we going to have, like, Super Bowl numbers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and see, it makes it even more confusing with the thing you just said. This, if Final Fantasy fourteen originally came out, then it bombed, and they took it off and redid it. And so this is Final Fantasy fourteen, A Realm Reborn. And so this isn't even 14, this is a remade version of 14. Right. So it's, it makes it even more confusing. Yeah, and I mean, of course they had to get this out before 15 came out, otherwise, you know, they would have totally <laughs> screwed up the number. So. Yes. <laughs> oh man, I, I wonder if they're like, they get confused, you know, back at their, their home base or whatever, and they're like... Wait, is this is this fourteen or fifteen? I'm not sure. What character? <laughs> where do we put this character? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I wonder if if they could go back in time, if they would just like fire the guy that named Final Fantasy Two, Final Fantasy Two, because that's that's where it all started. It could have been yeah. like you know, because you think about it, the Tale series isn't really confusing. I mean, I guess people might not be aware that they're all a part of the same, I guess, series of games. But uh-huh. the fact that they changed the last name of every Tales. You know, yeah, except for yeah. except for Destiny. Destiny, I guess, doesn't count. But uh, all of them, you know, as of recently, have been all different names. And so you kind of understand that, you know, that they're not, you know, they're, I guess, synonymous, but not synonymous with each other. Yeah, I think that was a pretty good approach because you get the same Tales of, so you know, okay, this is a Tales game. And then they just input the last, you know, pronoun or, you know, proper noun, whatever it is that has to do with that particular game. It's, right. I think it's pretty good. Pretty good system. It's the best of both worlds. Although I will say that the whole concept of the original Final Fantasy is like one of my favorite stories in video game history of all time. Are you familiar with the way the original Final Fantasy was created? Um, not entirely. Well, what ended up happening was Square was struggling financially, and uh, they really didn't have very many funds. They weren't expected to do very well. And so Final Fantasy was going to be their last game. It was their Final Fantasy. And that's why they named it that. That's right. And then it ended up just exploding and being a huge success. And now, 15 games later, here we are. <laughs> it's really more like 20 if you count all the spinoffs. And, yeah, I mean, it's probably over 20 because all the Tactics games, then X2, 13-2. The, was it the mobile games that, that uh, oh God. didn't come out over here? but. You know, they they had this, and that's also interesting, too, that they had this big, like, supposedly there's this big story between, you know, uh, 
was it uh, Final Fantasy Versus and you know the, all the other ones that they all were coming out around the same time on uh, well I guess back then it was next gen but the current gen systems then he also had the uh, mobile uh, mobile games that were actually going to tie in with the story but after you play the games from what I'm hearing they didn't really have they didn't really I guess have any type of link to the other stories outside of that they were telling you that hey this happens in the same world which is uh, another, which is another reason why you know uh, the recent game you know they just went ahead and changed the number because you know lightning isn't in it you know it's not you know it's kind of like it's in the same world but almost on another planet you know mm-hmm yeah, because um, it was supposed to be called um, 13 Versus, wasn't it? So I think it was supposed to be part of the same world. Right. I think it's a very good thing that they just called it 15, because a fourth game with the 13 in the title, that would have just been Yeah, that, that would have been overkill. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I guess our next topic has to do with another sequel, but this one is, you know, much more manageable as far as the Roman numerals go. Uh, Diablo 3... I, th- I know Gary and I have played it. Have you played it, Kenny? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that comes out for consoles. I believe it's launching the this week, the week that this podcast is going to be published for console. Um, yeah, so it's coming out on a PS3 and, and 360 or just PS3 right now? Uh, PS3, 360, and then eventually... Yeah, PS- eventually PS4, yeah. Yep. All right, so it's been a while since I've played an RPG like that on consoles. I remember I played Sacred 2... And I think I played Darkstone on PS1. I don't know if anyone knows what that game is. But Darkstone. I, it sounds familiar. Yeah, so I haven't played a whole lot on consoles just because that you know that isometric view just works so well with the mouse. It's kind of hard to imagine using a controller. Yeah. Um, so I guess I already know Gary's thoughts. Uh, we've had several discussions about this game. What do you think about Diablo 3, Kenny? I think this is awesome. Um, I'm a big fan of, I guess I'm a big fan of everything, but no, um, <laughs> I really liked, uh, Boulder's Gate and, uh, like, Oh, Champions Dark Alliance. Yeah. Yeah. And Champions of Norath and for the PS2 and, you know, those games are really fun. And I like couch co-op, you know, yes, yes. there's something that I'm, I'm kind of missing nowadays. Um, it feels like, cause I guess back in the day, you know, online was like a tacked on thing. And now it feels like the couch co-op is tacked on because they don't really do it, you know, justice. Whereas Diablo 3 looks like it's going to be really good um, in terms of what they're doing and how they, they map the keys to the controller. And, you know, they, they allowed you to be able to, like, for instance, you can go into your inventory and, you know, change your, your items and everything. But the other people that are playing, what will happen is they'll pull you along as they're playing. Oh, you know, so okay. Look, look at your stuff, and what happens is there's like a little bar that comes up at the bottom that'll say like, okay, this sword is stronger than this weapon. You know, do, you know, do you want to switch it or not? And while you're doing that, the the screen will kind of like drag you along. Now you can still get you know hurt and everything, but at the same time, you don't stop the game. So you know, and eventually, of course, you will have to do that. You have to look at your inventory, but you can still make a quick change without hindering everyone else. I thought that was nice. Obviously, it's going to be a, a graphical hit, you know, because it's going to be on console versus PC. And then the fact that it's couch co-op, so, you know, you have four people playing on one console. Yeah, but also at the same time, you know, that the camera angle, it's not like you're going to see a whole lot of detail anyway. So True, true. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. you're not going to miss out on too much. True, and it doesn't look, you know, from what I've seen so far, it doesn't look bad or anything. Um, I think it's great. I, and now, whether or not I would get it again is hard to say. 
on one hand, I'm like, I've played so much of it on the PC that, you know, I don't know if I would actually buy it again. But, you know, on the flip side, it's like, well, a lot of my friends don't have PCs and they would really like to play this game. Um, you know, and my, me and my wife play a lot of games together. And, you know, so playing, you know, coach co-op, couch co-op would be really cool. So I, I don't know. It's It's kind of a... A, a toss-up, really, but right. I mean, it's a, it's a good game in and of itself, and I think it's good that it's coming to consoles. You know, finally, I think that eventually everything should be on everything else. You know, if it's on console, go to PC and vice versa. So I'm happy for it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, this is definitely a genre that you know console gamers haven't really got to experience as much. This and I, I guess I would say strategy games have been severely underrepresented. Right, and I think you know it's. It's definitely up there. Like, I don't know if I would choose an action RPG like a hack and slash one like this over, you know, something like Skyrim or Mass Effect necessarily, but it's up there in my favorite types of games because you can just, and especially for a console, like you can sit down on the couch, just kind of turn your brain off and just go, you know, raid a few dungeons or whatever and just, just go kill stuff and just have fun. And you don't have to think too much, which I think is really good. It's It doesn't really require a whole lot of you know, mental exercise to play a game like Diablo, unless you're getting really, really high up there and you're getting really competitive. But I, th- I think it's a good, fun game for people to just kind of sit down and just play, which I think is good. I also like, um, and something that I don't really, uh, which kind of turn like turn me off with the PC versions is that it doesn't feel like I'm actually hitting anything. Um, it's, it's like I'm telling the guy to go swing, you know, his sword at this monster, and then he goes and does it. Whereas, you know, playing on a console with a controller, you know, I'm, I'm mashing the X button. It, it feels like I'm walking up to something and I'm actually hitting it. And, you know, I always thought that was kind of cool that you didn't really have that too much on the on the PC side. Yeah, unless it's first person. It's right. kind of hard, yeah. What do you think, Gary? You're going to get it for PS3? No, but um, I, I do think it's cool that, you know, console gamers will get to experience Diablo, you know, such a, a big franchise that I'm sure everybody's heard about so the fact that it's coming to consoles now is is pretty cool but um me personally you know after already playing it on pc i i just can't see myself getting it on console yeah i mean i think like you said most people know what diablo is if you play games you probably know what diablo is it's kind of like uh if you try to describe an action rpg to somebody if you say oh it's like diablo then they're going to know what you're talking about or if you're describing a turn-based RPG and you say, oh, it's like Final Fantasy. People, like, Diablo is one of those things where it defines the whole genre. And I think yeah, that's kind of that. cool. I will say that we, we've had some discussions on other podcasts where there's some things as far as the design decisions that they made in Diablo 3 I'm not a big fan of. Um, it is a fun game, though. I definitely enjoyed playing through it. I haven't really gone back to it since I played through it and reviewed it. I've... Pretty much, been, I just play other things. Um, but Diablo 3 is a good game, and I'm, I'm glad it's going to console. Maybe it means Blizzard's going to bring more of their games over to console, which would be cool. I mean, I liked, um, and now that you mentioned that, it's funny because we actually talked about that when it came to Torchlight. I really like Torchlight 2 a lot better than, um, <clears throat> excuse me, than uh, Diablo 3. Yeah, me too. And it was mainly because, I mean, I think in terms of storytelling and in terms of presentation and the implementation of multiplayer. I think Diablo, you know, Blizzard really, you know, really nailed it. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Torchlight kind of lacks. However, in terms of fun, you know, it's it's way more fun on Torchlight, especially when it comes to loot. And I think it that has large in, to do with the fact that they had the uh, the real auction house, you know, 
with mm-hmm. you know, with use real money and which they kind of just broke completely. You know, you can you can pay you know you know just a few bucks and get like a huge amount of gold and get your items that way as opposed to you know you know purchasing. So even then, like if you're trying to sell something for real money, people are like, well, I don't do that. I'll just buy like a million gold and buy it in game as opposed to using real money. So it's like it didn't really help anyone at all um, after a while. And because of that, the, the way the, the drops are, the loot drops, they're like far and, you know, it's very hard to find something rare and good. Yeah, but, it's, you know. I mean, because like you said, they could have just made the real money auction house an optional thing on the side. But you can clearly tell that the entire game has been designed around wanting to make you spend money to get the better stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and I understand, like, rare drops are rare. But I've, I've known people who spent well over hundreds of hours playing this game, um, something I couldn't do. And, you know, especially getting older, you know, you have more responsibilities. I don't have that much time to sink into a game. And it's like, you know, I found two legendary items that were actually weaker than my normal item. And I was like, this is, I don't know, like, it, Diablo 2 was so much better in the way that it played to me. And, the, you know, the way they did the loot and everything that, you know, that was kind of a sore spot. And I like that it's coming to console in the sense of that they took out the auction house. So hopefully that'll help the loot situation. Yeah, I concur. Yeah, I actually really need to play Torchlight 2. Um, one of you guys have got to play it with me at some point because I've had that game for over a year and I haven't played it. Oh, I could definitely play it. Then. I, I, um, I still play it, actually. I've been meaning to go back to it. There's so many mods it's it's crazy. Like, for example, you can change all the the text. You can change the menus and everything to look like Diablo, if you wanted. Uh, you can mod in more classes, more like it. It's great. All right. So, going back to the MMO topics, uh, the Elder Scrolls Online is coming out one day eventually, and I got a chance to play that at QuakeCon. So we. You should make a note to link that in the description of the podcast and everything. Um, I I liked it a lot. Uh, A lot of people are, well, okay, let me say this. It's it's an MMO that just so happens to be in Tamriel, but it's not really an Elder Scrolls game that they turned into an MMO, if that makes sense. It's an MMO first. So whenever you're playing, you're going to do MMO things like run around and see other people bunny hopping across the map. Yeah, you're gonna like do really crappy quests where you just go kill four or five badgers and come back and get a reward or whatever. Um, I mean, there's all the MMO stuff that you would expect from any other MMO, but it does have the Elder Scrolls flavors in there. So like, you can zoom in and go first person. Um, you can do pretty much whatever you want. You can equip any weapon and get different skills and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, I think it's pretty good and I enjoyed it, but. One thing that I am not a fan of is they decided to make it a pay-to-play game. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to buy the game, and then you're also going to have to pay $15 a month to continue to play it, which I think is a very bad decision, especially since it's going to console. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot of comparisons to be had between um, Final Fantasy XIV and The Elder Scrolls Online, you know, in the sense that, um, you know, Final Fantasy is also like a bare-bones MMO with the brand name over it. Uh, you know, just like how you described uh, the Elder Scrolls Online. But the thing is, with the subscription, I think, like, as Bethesda, you know, they're, they're such a reputable brand. 
we would expect them to know better, I guess, than Square Enix, because, you know, Square Enix are very traditional, and, you right. know, I guess you could see why they would go with subscription, but Bethesda and ZeniMax, like, you would expect them to, you know, go with one of the newer business models with either buy-to-play or free-to-play, and, you know, subscription just, it just doesn't make sense, like, you know, it's it's kind of a slap in the face for all the fans that really, really wanted to get into this. Uh, I'm sure they still will, but, you know, it's just that the the subscription is really off-putting. Yeah, I mean, I can especially, like, I can almost see the dialogue happening at GameStop in my mind right now. Someone's going to buy the game after their free month is over or whatever, and they can no longer log in without giving their credit card information. They're going to return to GameStop, furious, and wonder why they can't play their PS3 game anymore. And they're not going to understand that they have to pay $15 a month to continue playing. And I think that's going yeah, to happen to a lot of console players. where They're not used to that. That's not... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, do. I mean, you're, you're bringing this game to consoles. Like, you got to consider that. Like, you know, it's, this is still a new concept for consoles. I mean, there's a few MMOs on consoles at the moment, but, like, it's still very new. So to bring this model to it, this old business model to the console it's just it's it's really confusing like why would they do it i think um well it, well i guess a couple of things uh i think that i think they did it on purpose uh mainly because i think they're going to try to get as much money as possible out of people early and then switch it to free to play to try to make up a large bulk of the money that they put in um because with any mmo um outside of a couple like you know guild wars uh two yeah. For the most part, they have a harder time sustaining, you know, their the free to free to play model or pay to play model because it's very hard to get people to buy and the idea of microtransactions and things of that nature. It's very, it's you know, you don't trust them because you don't want to say like, well, am I buying this and I'm going to get a one up on people, you know, because people don't, you know, they want it to be fair, and then at the same time they don't want to feel like they're being forced into it, like with a lot of free to play models. You know what they do is they they uh, they hinder you, hinder your experience, and force you to pay. And you're not yeah. you're not paying to support the developer. You're paying to be less frustrated. Um, a game of that I can that comes to mind is Star Wars: um, The Old Republic, where you know I really wanted to play and I, I can't afford a subscription you know model. But when they went free to play, I was like, you know what, I'll play it. And then if you guys have expansions, I'll buy those because. I don't have to pay monthly. And what happened was my experience was horrible because after you got to level 10, they cut your experience that you got from everything in half. And so I wasn't leveling up the normal rate that everyone else was. Um, I couldn't sprint. Sprint was locked until like level 15. <laughs> so I had to walk around everywhere. I couldn't craft because you could only learn. In order to craft in that game, you have to have like one person has to, to know how to craft certain materials. You have to have another, I guess, like a henchman that uh, can go and collect the materials. And they're, they're two different skills. You can't have both at the same time unless you pay. And so it was like, I'm not having fun with your game. Man. And you lost someone who would have given you money willingly if you wouldn't have tried to force me into subscription. Um, and, I, I, you know, so it's kind of it's tricky. Now, with, with you know, the Elder Scrolls Online, I'm thinking that they're going to do like, they, like DC Online did, where... Up front, you, you know, they had a lot of people subscribing, and the people started to fall off. And they're like, you know what? We're going to switch it to free to play. And if you continue to subscribe, 
you're going to get some extra cool stuff that other people don't get. And you know yeah. how they kind of like that idea of being like, you know, you know, I get, the... you know, I have way more characters than you can possibly have, and yeah. I get all of the expansions yeah. for free. Yeah, I mean, know. there's definitely a very a dedicated group of players that's going to play any MMO, and they're going right. to want to be in the elite. And those are the people that are going to continue to subscribe because, I mean, games like Rift still has those people, DC Universe, um, Lord of the Rings Online, EverQuest 1 and 2, all of yep. those games still let you subscribe, and you get tons of bonuses. And so people are going to do that. And I think you're right. I think they're going to have to go free-to-play eventually, or at the very least buy-to-play and just get rid of the subscription model, but you still buy the box. Yeah, and I, I think that's their plan because what will happen is they'll get a lot of money up front, and then any money that they need to really recruit will come from people purchasing the game and then people doing transactions or maybe like buying an extra character slot or something like that. And whereas if they started it from, the, from day one, I don't think they would have made that money back. And so I, I think they're trying to do it that way. I don't think too many people are going to get upset, though, because I think that, or if they do get upset, unfortunately, it's kind of your fault if you go into a GameStop and you don't realize that you're picking up an MMO. At, at least this day and age when you know, we've had Final, uh, you know, the Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star Online, you know, we, had a, we had a decent amount where you kind of understand, and especially if you look at the box. You know, yeah, but like, you know, the average consumer is a lot dumber than a lot of people think. True. Especially with, you know, like a mainstream game like Elder Scrolls, they're going to think, oh, Skyrim Online, I'm going to buy that. And I'm not sure if, you know, I'm just saying I I can expect that there's going to be some issues. Because even with the Wii U, you know, people are buying Wii U games and wondering why it doesn't work on their Wii. Well, that's that's a whole other horrible (laughs) PR uh, issue with Nintendo. And which is... Which hurts because I'm such a Nintendo fan, but they they're just not doing a good job. I think I think Elder Scrolls are gonna, I think Bethesda is gonna, you know, actually advertise well, but um, you know, at, those are kind of things that I guess comes with the territory. You know, there's gonna be dumb people who don't yeah. take the time to actually look at the back of the box for whatever reason. Um, but I think I, I'm not a fan of the the model though. I, I never really liked subscription based. Period. Yeah, me neither. Uh, because I don't know how long I'm going to be able to play. I don't know if I'm going to like the extra content. I don't want to pay for a month and only you know play for like a week. Uh, I like to play pay uh, when you bring out the content. You know, if you have a new expansion, I'll pay. If you have a new character, I'll pay. But I don't want to pay monthly for something that you might come up with later. And um, if you ever played uh, uh, was it Fantasy Star Online for the Xbox 360, like the content didn't come out for a long time. And people were still paying that monthly fee. That's that's rough, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then and then also something we haven't brought up was the fact that Xbox um, already have a fifty dollar a year. Yeah, uh, that's you know, online. A big deal. You know, but that's just trying to work something out with Microsoft. But it's like. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. They're actually um, they're trying to get um, the Elder Scrolls Online behind the the Xbox Live paywall. So if you're a subscriber, I guess it ties in or something. Yeah, because, I mean, think about that. If they can't get that waived, you're going to have to buy the game and then pay about $200 a year just to play mm-hmm. it. Because that's $15 for the game, and then at least, at the very least, about 50 for live for a year. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that is. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to take too long. I think... 
maybe six months it'll be free to play. I, I think uh, it'll yeah. out a little bit. I'm thinking six months is a good. It'll be less than a year. It won't go yeah. a year. Old Republic didn't even last a year before it went free to play. Nope. And I and I totally get, you know, the Old Republic because there was so much dialogue. It, it had more content. I it would have stayed a little bit longer. Um, same thing with with Rift because Rift was is an awesome game. Um, you yeah, know, and, it's, and, it's and very I, high quality for a traditional MMO. Yeah, and I and it's kind of sad because it seems like when you go free to play or pay to play that it's kind of like a knock on you like you didn't do well but I, I think that these new models aren't bad I think ways that you can make money and without ripping people off and forcing them to pay you know not to be frustrated yeah this is actually a good segue because Guild Wars 2 for example Gary and I both play that a lot and that's a game that you buy like you just pay one fee you buy it then you own it and you can play it as much as you want or as little indefinitely and the reason why they're so successful, like, for example, they've recently announced that, as far as the numbers go, it's the fastest-selling MMO in history. In, yep. like, nine months, they sold over three million copies. And th- I think the reason why is because not only do they respect their consumers, but they understand that in order to maintain the game, they're going to have to give them content that keeps them playing and keeps them buying stuff from the trading post. And what they recently started doing, like, a month or two ago... Every two weeks, there is a big new content addition to the game, and that's <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous. Like, it, the game is always changing, so every two weeks something new is going to happen that if you were playing a month ago, you wouldn't have even seen in the game. Yeah, and it, it, it makes you want to keep playing. Like, I feel bad if I don't play because it's so interesting and so much good content, and I feel like I'm getting my yeah. money's worth. I only had to pay once, and I can continue to play all this great stuff. Yeah, I've gotten so much value from that game. And, um, you know, recently I actually bought some gems from the trading post because, you know, I thought, wow, like, these guys did such a great job. I feel like I should be paying them more money because, you know, I've gotten so much enjoyment from this game. So that that's the level of trust that you have to build with your customers. And yeah. It's, it's, it's tough out of the gate because people don't, they're not going to automatically trust you. I mean, Guild Wars, the first one, had a similar model, so it was a little bit easier, I guess, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's the same thing. You have to feel as if they're giving you a lot and that it's good content. And then anything else that they announce, hey, we have like an extra dungeon, but you have to pay like a buck. Yeah, I'll give you a dollar. No problem, because everything else is awesome, so why wouldn't I? Right. You know, you know so I, I think I, it is definitely... I haven't played it yet, unfortunately, because what I play is so tied into what I review. Um, yeah, yeah. I really, I really Gary want and I have that conversation all the time because <laughs> uh, this is kind of off topic but I think especially for sites like ours where we're, we don't have the ability to really do this full time you know right. we have to work in addition to all this that our personal gaming time is almost non-existent exactly and that's once again that goes right back to why I refuse to play a subscription fee because I don't know how often I'm going to get to play and that's why I probably won't be playing Elder Scrolls Online until it goes free to play. Yeah, I mean, even with 14, like, I'm going to pay the subscription for a total of three months, and then I'm done. Like, I've already committed to that. The only reason I even, you know, decided to pay it was because I, I love Square Enix, and, you know, I want to support them. But I'm not going to keep paying the subscription beyond three months. So, you know, subscriptions, I just can't do. Yeah, the world's changing now. They'll be gone soon enough. 
I hope so. <laughs> and it's not to be like like I don't want them to get paid. That's that's never been my idea. It's just you know, especially with the fact that most of gamers are around my age. Not to give away my age, but you know, <laughs> older. You know, yeah, and yeah. we have you know I'm married. I have a daughter. You know, and 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 you you have more responsibilities. And mind you, I still play a lot of games, but at the same time, it's like I can't spend all week playing one game like I used to, and I can't. All of my money can't go into one game like it used to either. So the idea of you know because and just like you said, when you start playing the Elder Scrolls, what you're gonna do? You're gonna do the the boring missions. We have to kill a certain amount of rats and get their hides and. You know, you have to go through that whole thing again before you actually get to the real fun stuff. I don't want to. I don't. I don't have that much time to to invest. You know, I would actually have to pay someone to play for me <laughs> and get get to the fun stuff and then let people me do play. that too. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like I, you know, gaming is turning into a job, and that's something I definitely don't want to. I mean, I want it to be a job, but not not that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and before we move on, I just want to give another plug to Guild Wars Two here. Cool thing about Guild Wars 2 is pretty much all the content in that game is ridiculously fun. Like, because your personal story, you get to make decisions that changes what happens, and it's different based on your race. You get to choose different factions. There's dynamic content that's like public quests and stuff. There's none of the traditional questing. Like, you don't have an NPC with the exclamation mark you go talk to. Like, it's all dynamic and built into the game itself. It's It's ridiculous. You, you need to play it. Definitely, I I think that, and, and you know, not to hold us here too much longer, but the I think also that's keeping me away from a lot of MMOs is the fact that they they're all uh, you know they're getting very similar. Um, yeah, a lot of my great moments, I guess, in gaming as of late have all been indie, and not to be that guy who's like <laughs> indie is you know indie is better than everything because it's really 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 not, but you know it, the fact that there's something new, you know. New, new-ish, I guess you could say. Um, whereas, you know, I, going through the motions and doing the exact same thing over and over is something that I really don't want to do anymore. Um, which is why one reason why I kind of shied away from those types of games. But once I get a review copy, then you know, of course, kind of have to do it. But yeah, it's it's it kind of gets it gets kind of old, I guess. You know, the same model. You know, and and with Elder Scrolls, I was really hoping for something that was more Elder Scrolls but with multiple players. Because I've always wanted to do that. You know, Fallout 2, I want to have, you know, even if it's just one other guy with me when I jump into a fight with, like, a mutant, I want to to have that type of companionship in a huge world, um, but not the same thing where there's millions of people and, you know, they're doing silly things. Like, I want it to be still serious, you know, I guess, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. still have that because, you know, in Fallout and in the Elder Scrolls, you don't do those silly missions for the most part. The first, I want to say Elder Scrolls Oblivion, the first mission was really to escape a dungeon. You know, it wasn't to go and kill animals, you know what I mean? So hopefully we'll eventually evolve to have really, really cool uh, missions that don't, you know, you don't have to wait till end game. Yeah, uh, I guess that's why uh, the Elder Scrolls Online didn't really grip me when I played it, because it was a lot of those basic small quests that, you know, we had to do in the preview that we played. Uh, I I really just want to see the cool stuff, like you know, I want to see all the quests that relate to Elder Scrolls lore and everything. That's what I really want to see. So 
yeah, I can't wait until it it goes free to play. And see the because that's that's when I'll be there. Yeah. So the thing for me, like two things I'm going to say is one, I think that the main reason why I'm so interested is not because I really because of the idea of an Elder Scrolls Online game, but because of the Elder Scrolls as a franchise. Like I played Morrowind so much, and the thought of being able to go back to Morrowind is blows my mind. And whenever I got to go there in the preview, I was like a little schoolgirl giggling. And I was so happy to see like the crazy, <laughs> all those crazy mushrooms and the crazy creatures from Morrowind, and then go back over through another zone and hang out in Skyrim for a while, and just all does those. It, does it look like exactly the same and everything? Uh, I mean, the are you talking about Skyrim? Uh, Morrowind, Mosa. Uh, it's quite a bit different because Morrowind was two generations ago, so the yeah. graphically and as far as mechanics go, it's pretty dated. And that's and that's another thing, like seeing them revisit Morrowind and bring it up to date. It's so awesome getting to experience that. That's why it's okay. so much more frustrating that you have to pay a fee to see that. And but in terms of like layout and you know buildings and stuff, is it is the structure all the same, or is it just they completely reimagined it? No, no, it's very very similar. But that's what I liked okay. about it so much. And uh, another thing, uh, like you were saying about how the quests seem very MMO-y, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is being made by ZeniMax Online Studios and not Bethesda Game Studios. So this is being made by MMO developers, not Elder Scrolls developers. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm pretty sure the average consumer doesn't realize that, and they don't know what the differences are, they just know the name Bethesda. And so it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out, because it's... I mean, in a lot of ways, it's not really an Elder Scrolls game, even though it has that name and it takes place there. So, we'll have to wait and see. Definitely. All right, and so for our last topic, I guess we'll try to keep this one short, because we talked a lot about MMOs on this episode, which is what usually happens, it seems like. <laughs> um, Kotaku posted an article with their top 20 JRPGs of all time, is basically what it was. They called it the 20 JRPGs you must play. Um, but, I mean, that's just Kotaku's way of coming up with a not perfectly obvious title. They always do stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, they, they listed some really good games. Uh, instead of naming all of them, because there's 20, I'll, uh, I'm just going to name some of the ones that I feel like they left out. I'll link the article here so you guys can browse through it while I'm listing some of the ones they left out, and other people can look at it as well. Um, Final Fantasy X was not mentioned which um, kind of aggravates me personally. I, I don't know how everyone else feels about that game. Uh, Legend of Dragoon, PS1 game, was not mentioned, which that game's always been forgotten by pretty much everyone, especially Sony, and that personally aggravates me. Um, there was not a mention of a single Breath of Fire game, which I, I thought was kind of crazy. They didn't mention that? any Breath of Fires? Not a single Breath of Fire game. Ah, oh, that hurts myself. That hurts my soul, man. That's... Ah. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. <laughs> their original list was only 19 as well. They had to go back and add a 20th one, which was Secret of Mana, which thankfully they added because that wasn't on the original list. Um, trying to think of some other notable exceptions here. that They really... Uh, I mean, I'm not to knock on the author or anything, Jason Schreer. I like a lot of his stuff. He's one of my favorites at Kotaku. But it's a lot of more current games, which kind of perplexed me. Um, you know, he has Nino Kuni on there, Persona 4, 
uh, Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky, yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2, some like more current games, which I thought was kind of surprising, because I feel like most of really, really good JRPGs are, you know, kind of older. Um, right. Yeah, Tales of Symphonia yeah. wasn't on there. In fact, I don't think, a si- no, no, not Tales. a single Tales game, yeah. This which is quite is, horrible. Yeah, that, I mean, that surprised the, me. Oh, go not ahead. to say that, oh, I'm sorry. No, um, go ahead, I'm done. Not to say that there's not any, you know, because there's some good games on here. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. RPG is definitely awesome. And uh, Earthbound and, and and Chrono Trigger. Definitely happy to see those, you know, those games. And it's it's interesting that he has newer games because, you know, they're, they haven't been booming in terms of their games lately, you know, Japan. And a lot of their classic titles kind of, out, you know, you know, outshine the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Granted, I haven't played, you know, some of the, you know, some of the newer things. I can't say that, um, you know, 100%, but still, you know, there's a lot of games that I think that really could have been up there. Um, granted, I know some of my games aren't going to be because they're kind of, not a lot of people know them, I yeah, guess. Yeah, everyone has their personal favorites. You know, um, Xenogears is awesome. Um, what else did they have? Uh, there's, there's some good stuff on there. There's I think, one, one reference to one of my personal favorites that I feel like is pretty underrated. And that's Lunar. That that franchise is pretty underrated. And not a lot of people have really played it, but they had a Lunar game on there, which is cool for me. I I think they like Breath of Fire four should definitely be on there somewhere. Um my favorite uh actually my favorite PS two game of all time is uh Brave Fencer Musashi. Oh uh, wait, wait, you mean PS one? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, PS One. Not, I not, love that game. I it's been a while since I've met someone that knows that game. You just yes. went up in my book. <laughs> like that's that's my favorite PS One game, and I, I have the sequel. And granted, it's not as great. It's still awesome. I think I think and and I know that wasn't going to be on there, but um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, RPGs that could have made this list over some of the games that they got. I think, I, but you know, it's his opinion. So I'm gonna go and just vote here. If you're going to make a a list of games for a genre as expansive as JRPGs, make it more than 20, because yeah, it's going to piss people off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it should have been at least... I, I think you 50. should have multiple judges as well. Or like everyone at Kotaku, or maybe like five guys at Kotaku do their, their own personal 20. Yeah, you know. And and then that way you can like, oh, okay, so my game didn't make this list, but at least it made you know made this one. Speaking of, not to plug anything from Coalition 2, obviously, but we have an article coming up that's the top 30 games from this generation you should play. And we're going to have 10 different authors each nominate three games apiece. Nice. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that one because I still don't know what half the games being picked are. I just know mine and a few others. I think, and since I, I'm obviously not going to be able to write that piece um, <laughs> or be a part of that piece, I will say that uh, one of my favorite games of this generation, actually my favorite, and I'm a little biased because I'm a big Transformer fan. Um, again, I'm a big fan of everything, but Transformers: <laughs> uh, The Fall of Cybertron. Uh, I, I reviewed that game, and it is quite awesome. I don't think I've played a game that had so many different types of gameplay in it. That wasn't a uh, like a multi not a multiplayer a, a mini game you know like a Mario Party or something uh-huh. like that um, so many different styles of play but they all worked very well um, great story awesome graphics and then the multiplayer was was awesome too like I don't think 
I haven't played any game this generation that was as fun as that game. Yeah, you're not the first person I've heard uh, praise that game, so I'm sure you're probably right. Yeah, I know that game. Too bad I never played it. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, I really missed... First of all, I missed out on the whole Transformers craze. I never got into it when I was younger. And, I mean, part of that's just because... I mean, no offense or anything, but out of the three of us, I'm the youngest here by far. So... I, I, no offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just missed out on it. And I'm kind of disappointed because I would have liked to get into it, but yeah, I, I missed out on the Transformers. I mean, what was, uh, uh, what was I guess, what was something that you can kind of, like, attach yourself to growing up? like Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so the... Wow, okay, so unfortunately a lot of the games aren't that great, but... They're really if not. Had, <laughs> if you had, like, the most amazing Dragon Ball Z game... Yeah, I'll describe it to you right now. It'll it's very relevant to this podcast. If okay. they were to make a huge open world, large scale, turn based Dragon Ball Z RPG, it would be my perfect game. That I've dreamed sick. about this game for years and years, and it's nothing even close as came. There's there's RPGs on Game Boy Advance, but those are action RPGs that are top down, and they're on a portable that's you know two generations old. So it's kind of not really what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like graphics on the level of Nino Kuni, you know, like beautiful anime graphics, cutscenes right. taken from the anime, voice acting, all the highlights of the entire like saga, and like turn-based yeah. battles where you can level up. And if if they made that game, I don't know what I would do. So, what do you think of yeah. of the? Uh, oh no, go, go ahead. What do you think of the uh, Dragon Ball Z MMO that they have? Uh, I haven't bothered to try to get it to work since there's not an English version officially supported. Right. You have to kind of like download it from Korea, then install this user-made English patch, which is incomplete. And I just I don't know if I want to go through all that because it would ruin my perception of it if I didn't like it. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, so that's my dream game that'll never happen. Yeah, and that's where me and you are twins because, you know, it's exactly the same for me. I would like to have a... a a Naruto game where it was it was kind of like that, not necessarily RPG, but the idea of using traps and very like tactical fighting because that's what the show is. It's very tactical. I mean, they they take twenty minutes to explain how you know attacks work, um, <laughs> but you know the games that come out are all like you know they're just butt mashers for the most part. It would be really cool to set up like an elaborate you know trap for someone that they had to use like genjutsu or something like that to kind of get out of it and you know um, I've I've never gotten into the anime too much but I did review Ultimate Ninja Storm 3 and okay. uh, have you played that yes okay so playing that game I felt like the battle system felt out of place because the rest of the game was so in, in depth yeah. like there's so much interesting dialogue good voice acting like explorable environments and then the combat's just like a button masher I felt like it I wanted it to be an RPG, really. It's, it's basically um, what Dragon Ball Z was. You know, it's 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 done in the same vein. In yeah. terms of, you know, a lot of um, the anime elements that are thrown in from the show, and then, you know, uh, you and the character, or you and the your the opponent kind of mash on buttons, and then eventually you do, like, a cutscene, and then, like, a quick time event, and then you just destroy the planet. That's pretty much what, <laughs> what happens, <laughs> you know, when you're playing. Um, and, and unfortunately, I mean, it's not to say that it's it's not easy to make what we're talking about, but I think it would be so great if they could do, you know, if they can get away from the button mashing 
you know, fighting style games that they have made for these two, you know, and any, um, you know, because Bleach does that too, and a bunch of other anime, you know, is they lose the feel of the anime, you know, to, just to get you to fight people. Um, but yeah, going back to RPGs, um, it would be great for more RPGs that are outside of the norm, I guess you could say. I really enjoyed, because um, it, it took me a while, because I'm not a big fan of turn-based RPGs, even though I play them. I, I love a lot of, you know, a lot of good ones, but um, I like the idea of being able to move or to interact a little bit with, mm-hmm. with you know, the, the whoever's attacking me or me, I'm attacking them. So I really love Blue Dragon when it came out for the 360, um, because you can kind of, you can set up battles, um, you can you can create uh, a situation where two enemies will fight each other before fighting you. I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into the battle outside of just, like, pressing a button and then watching them do something on screen. Um, I, I like more RPGs along those lines. Um, and then also all the guys from Chrono Trigger was on it, so, I mean, that's that's a plus, too. Man, Chrono Trigger's so good. You, you need to play that, Gary. No, definitely. It's it's on my two playlists, and I'm kind of mad that um I didn't really get into RPGs until later on because I missed out on a lot of great games. Have you played Legend of Dragoon, Kenny? Yes, I I never beat it unfortunately, but yeah, I have I have played it. Man, I love that game so much. It is so but, uh, so good. But Gary, what's cool about your situation is that you know you have a lot, and granted, you know some things are are kind of dated, but um. You have a uh, a lot to look forward to in this sense, and I think that's really cool about gaming in general because I'm always learning something about about games from other people. You know, there's always a game I haven't played or I haven't even heard about that I'm like, oh wow, I, you know, I gotta try that, and you know, and it, it brings me into this whole new realm of gaming that I didn't know before. So it's actually a cool place because from that you can you know, dive into a lot of different games that are going to be coming out because a lot of this stuff is coming back. If you look at the indie scene, you know, a lot of old genres are coming back into the spotlight. Yeah, and that's what's so good about the indies. You mentioned them before. Um, the the good thing about it is that it's so varied in type of game, you know, and uh, the, the types of games that they've stopped making in the mainstream, you can probably find it on the indie scene. So that's what's great about it. All right. There you go, Kotaku's wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, the, th- the thing is, about this article that frustrates me the most is all the games mentioned, I can't argue with. You know, I can't say all the... Well, okay, well, with one exception. Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky, pretty good PSP game. Definitely not better than Final Fantasy X or every Tales game or every Breath of Fire game. That right. one, I, I don't really feel like should be there. But pretty much all the others, I mean, are all great games. See, I, I probably wouldn't have put Nino Kuni there, though. I mean, it's a great game. Yeah, uh, but it's definitely less than a, a year old, bit. so it's kind of yeah. like, uh, I, I still need to finish that. Have you, have you played Nino Kuni, Kenny? No, and I was so angry that we didn't get a review copy, and I, I, you know, I, had, to, I had to play something else. But it was the the, the idea of uh, I can't remember the studio's name, but the, they do studio a lot of Ghibli. Ghibli. There you go. They do a lot of great yeah. anime. And um, so I really wanted to see it, and you know, I heard the fighting mechanics were, were pretty cool. And um, now I'm kind of tempted that after I finally finish it, I might just mail you my copy so you can play it because you need to play this game, dude. You would be so awesome if you did that. 
<laughs> and now I, it's been recorded that I said that, so I can't take it back. There you go. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. But, but um, it's you know, and I I'm, I want to get lost in in the world, and I I think um that kind of goes back to my RPGs. I'm not RPGs. MMOs. Uh, we're coming full circle. Um, I don't I don't feel myself getting lost in the worlds anymore because it's 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 doing it by the numbers. You know, I mean. Even with Breath of Fire, and I, you know, a great series, but how many times do we have to have someone who suffers from amnesia, who gets rescued by, <laughs> you know, I mean, you could, you could kind of like, you could pretty much put your own story together, and that's probably a Breath of Fire story, or a Tell story, or a Final Fantasy yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's getting harder to get, kind of get lost in it. Um, and so, you know, I, from what I've heard of, uh, of that game, that, you know, the story is very different. And how they kind of approach things, so I'm really looking forward to actually trying it out myself. I'll also say it's by far one of the best looking games I've ever played. It looks like it. I mean, just from the you know, I'm checking out the screens now. It looks really awesome. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. All right, well, this turned into a normal length episode. Said we were going to keep it a little short, but it turned out to be about the same length as usual. <laughs> which this is not the first time this has happened. Just like RPGs themselves, when you start talking about them, it tends to go on and on and on. So, I guess closing comments, everyone should definitely check out United Front Gaming, as well as United Front Games, because they make Sleeping Dog, and they are competing with Kenny here. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've actually talked to them on Twitter, and they've told me that I'm a mole. I'm trying to do some recon and try to get you taken down. Uh, That would be awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely check them out. They're they're great guys, uh, guys and gals. Sorry, uh, great developer. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, you know, stop by the site. Um, I, I I'm a big fan of of everything. Like I said before, um, <laughs> and I I enjoyed the conversation. It was it was cool talking about you know RPGs and you know I hope to be on a you know some future cast with you guys as well. Oh yeah, we definitely got to bring you back. 